You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. It's week 12. It's that time of the week. This is Hawk Talk Preview Edition. I'm Michael Bumpus with NASA Choby. The Seahawks travel to Washington, D.C. on Monday night football to try to get things right. Before we get into it, here's NASA with the injury updates. Thanks, Bump. Well, this is going to be a short injury report today. Not a lot to report given the Seahawks are playing on Monday Night Football, which means there was not an injury report on Wednesday given the Thanksgiving holiday and the players off tomorrow. So keep an eye out for the injury report coming out tomorrow. But one thing we did hear from Pete Carroll in his press conference that DJ Reed will practice today, so we'll see about his status moving forward in the week. We know that cornerback Trey Brown will be done for the year as he had an injury to his patella, which is a tough loss for the Seahawks ball club. Moving forward than that, something to look forward to, or excuse me, to keep an eye out for, is Rashad Penny. He had a little bit of a hamstring issue against the Cardinals. So those are the guys we want to look forward to going into this week. Uh, we'll keep you updated as the week goes on. But that is it for the injury report. It's time to get on to the Seahawks' Week 12 opponent, the Washington football team, What's on Tap. What's on Tap. Seahawks heading across the country for Monday night football against the Washington football team bump, and I can't wait till we can stop saying that, first of all. I am tired of writing it, and I'm tired of saying it. Please pick a name. We're the team out name. here in Washington. Any I name. Just, just pick something. <laughs> anyway, WFT, the Washington football team. And then when you look at when you type WFT, you think of a different three-letter acronym. So it's just it's messing me up. All right, it's just messing me up. Washington, go ahead and pick a name. Anyway, the football team is four and six on the season. Opening the year with a loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. They beat the Giants. Got smacked by the Bills. Had a win over the Falcons. Then lost four in a row to the Saints, Chiefs, Packers, and Broncos. But these football team, they're playing some good football right now. Beat the Bucks 29-19 two weeks ago and then just came off a 27-21 win over the Carolina Panthers. So, like we said, this team is 4-6, and six and they're playing their best football. I mean, anytime you beat a defending Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, and those Buccaneers, you're playing good football. You go down, you beat the Carolina Panthers. And that was a big game, man, because Ron Rivera, who's a coach of the Washington football team, was making his return to Carolina the f- first time opposing his former team. Cam Newton was also making a return and making his first start for those Panthers. And the guy that we're going to talk about a lot today, man, is Taylor Heineke, man. Taylor Heineke is doing it. Uh, he got the better of Cam Newton, throwing for 206 yards, three touchdowns, finished the game with a QB rating of 141.3, easily the best game of the season. Terry McLaurin led all receivers with five receptions, 103 yards, a tutty. Antonio Gibson, best game on the ground he's had this year, 95 yards on 19 carries. Back and forth game, Cam Newton hooked up with Christian McCaffrey for a 27-yard touchdown, which tied the game up at 21 with 10:44 remaining in the game. Behind and key led the Washington football team on a go-ahead 12-play, 58-yard field goal drive, including an incredible scramble play on fourth and two. Got loose with it, found his tight end, John Bates, on a fourth and two, moved the chains, they kick a field goal. On the other side, Cam Newton had two potential game-winning drives. Those ended in a turnover on downs. Newton was sacked with 111 to go on fourth down in the game, which sealed the deal for Washington, or excuse me, for Carolina. Newton still had a pretty good day, though. He went 21 of 27, 189 yards. Two touchdowns as well as 10 carries, 46 yards, and one touchdown. Now, Bump, 
head-to-head, okay, the Seahawks, Washington football team, they got similar records, right? They're similar in statistics. Obviously, the Seahawks are struggling, so these numbers have taken a hit, and they've kind of – we've made this comparison uh, at some point or another. Kind of like your GPA, man. You do bad in that first semester, first couple quarters, it's really hard to save that number, and, and the Seahawks are near the bottom of most categories bump. But how do these teams match up head-to-head? It's not only hard to save it for the semester, you're accumulative. Three mm-hmm. years later, you're paying for <laughs> mistakes you did in your first semester as a freshman. And that's what it feels like these Hawks are doing right now. Total offense, the Hawks are reigning 30th, Washington 19th. Rush offense, the Hawks are averaging 98.4 yards per game. That's 23rd. Washington football team, 122. You mentioned Gibson coming off his best game last week. Pass offense, Hawks are ranked 28th, averaging 200. Washington football team, 22nd with 224. The points per game, Hawks right 19, that's 24th. And the Washington football, 21, averaging 21 points per game. Defensively, Hawks have one of the worst defenses in the league. According to these stats, we know that they have made some strides over the last few weeks. Averaging 401 yards, that's 31st. Washington football giving up 368 yards, that's 24th. Giving up 122 on the ground. Washington football team, 98. Hawks are allowing 279 pass, excuse me, yards per game through the air. That's 30th. And the Washington football team are 28th, averaging 270. When it comes to giving up points, this is the one bright spot when it comes to these stats for the Hawks. They are allowing 20 points per game. That's 70, uh, excuse me, that's seventh. And the Washington football team averaging, giving up 26.7 points per game. That is 28th. Now we look at these sack totals. The Hawks have recorded 33 sacks. No, that's how many times they've been sacked. Oh, it's been sacked. My bad. Been sacked 33 times. I was going to say, man, they really turned it around these last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> Sacks made. They've had 17. Washington football team, 20th interception. The Hawks, four. Washington football team, six. On paper, this should be a close game. On paper, when you look at stats, on paper, when you look at the matchups, you got a backup quarterback in Heineke who's been playing well. You still have scary Terry McLaurin over there as one of the best receivers in the game right now. I say I give him at least top 10. The run game has been getting going. It's I think it's all about more who shows up that day because we've seen the Washington football team struggle. You've seen the Seahawks struggle, and you've seen both teams put together some decent performances. The football team just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whenever you got Tommy Boy under your belt like that, you're feeling good about yourself. I don't even care about these stats. I don't care about who's lining up. I don't care if this win is ugly. I don't care if it's impressive. I just want a W because I'm tired of losing, and I'm sure the Seahawks feel the same way. Let's get to know the history between these two teams. Know your history. First of all, amen to that bump because, yes, we are tired of losing. The Seahawks have lost five of their last six. This is uncharted territory for everyone in this building. It's been a really long time since the Seahawks have been in this situation. But when we want to talk history, looking at the series matchup between the football team and the Seattle Seahawks, Washington leads the all-time series 12-9. The Seahawks are 6-12 and during the regular season but you have a 3-0 advantage in the postseason. So the last time these two teams linked up was last year. Seahawks beat Washington 20-15 to in Washington, clinching a playoff berth. It was a game that was dominated by the Seahawks till the third quarter. Washington went on a bunch of drives late in that game, kind of made the score closer than it was. Early in the game, Washington had seven drives. It combined for only 164 yards, three points. But the defense came up big last year. Finished by three straight consecutive great plays by the defensive line. An L.J. Collier sack. A Carlos Dunlap sack. A Benson Mayoa near sack, which forced a holding call on fourth down, which sealed the game. Um, Russell Wilson, he didn't have video game numbers, but he was efficient. 18-27, 121 yards, one tutty. 
Jamal Adams had a great defensive game. He had nine tackles, one TFL, one sack. Carlos Hyde added a 50-yard touchdown. And when I look back at that boxer bump, man, the difference a year can make because I put some emphasis on those names because LJ Collier getting a sack, Carlos Dunlap getting a sack, Benson Mayo getting involved. You know, things that really helped the Seahawks at the second half of last season is that defensive line came alive. They led the league in sacks, I want to say, the last eight games of the season, and we need to see more of that. That's a that's a unit that needs to be woken up, at least in terms of the stat sheet. And, yeah, man, that was the Seahawks clinching the playoff berth. That was Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap learning, like, hey, this is what it's like to be going to the playoffs. Everyone in Seattle expected that because that's what Pete Carroll has done since he's been here. Uh, it's just crazy that – Things are a lot different this year, but it's it's about winning close games. And I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping we just need to win one. Just, like you said, doesn't matter how it, how it gets done, doesn't how it gets made. We just want that final result, so let's figure it out. But it's that time of the show. we got to take a look around the West. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? Arnold sitting at top of the division at nine and two, Rams behind them at seven and three. San Fran in the third spot at five and five, and the Seahawks are three and seven at the bottom of the NFC West. Last week, the 49ers took on the Jag, and much like when the Seahawks played the Jags, it was all 49ers on Sunday. 49ers led 20 to three at half and were leading 30 to three before the Jags got a late garbage time touchdown. Three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Once again, typical Jimmy G type performance. He was efficient, 16 to 22, 176, two touchdowns, and most importantly, no touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk led all receivers with seven receptions, 85 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle, four receptions, 34 yards and a touchdown. And Debo Samuel does a little bit of everything. Eight carries, 79 yards, one touchdown, one reception for 15 yards. San Fran scored his first five possessions, including opening the game with a 20-play field goal drive that took more than 13 minutes. That offense was out there and set the tone against the Jags and let them know, hey, NFC West, you know what you're going to get. That's a big L for you. Yeah, the Niners, again, playing good football. You mentioned it, most importantly, Jimmy Garoppolo had no interceptions. Niners ran uh, 33 of the game's first 37 plays and had more first downs than Jacksonville had yards midway through the second quarter. This game was getting ugly. It got so bad that the the, the 49ers are throwing passes to linemen. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew uh, uh, tackle. Uh, I think it's Williams on the play. It was his first ever target. Then the next play, they go back to what works for him, hit George Kittle for a touchdown. But this is how bad it was for the Jags, man. They finished with 200 yards on 44 plays, tied for the fifth fewest in franchise history, man. Someone go hug Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it's a rough time down there. Things are bad aren't great here right now, but a lot worse in other places. But these 49ers, uh, not great, man. Not great for the Seahawks. I thought they were kind of trending a different direction, but they're playing good football. They're at 500. They're right in the mix of the playoffs. They found Debo Samuel could be in the backfield. They're using him all over the field. They're playing that style with, you know, use check and Kittle. They're physical. They like to run the ball. You saw when they beat the Rams, they ran the ball like 45 times or something like that. So I don't like that. I don't like what I'm seeing there. I don't like seeing them get right. So it's not great there. Uh, the Rams had a bye last week, so they were n- not playing. And I won't spend a ton of time on this bump, but let's reset it. Playoff picture. For me, it's simple. Seahawks just need to win one game and then string together some wins before we and we can come back and kind of revisit this, you know. So the seventh seed, the Saints have the final playoff spot at 5-5. Five and five. 
Then you got the nine, 49ers at 5-5, five and five, the Eagles at 5-6, and six, Panthers 5-6, and six, Washington 4-6, and six, Falcons 4-6, and six, Giants 3-7, and seven, Bears 3-7, and seven, and the Seahawks 3-7. and seven. So, a lot of ground to make up, obviously. That being said, I have the, a small – I'm, I'm Mr. Optimist, so I just have to say it. it's a fact. I'm not making this up, but I have to get it off my chest. That all being said, Seahawks are just two games behind that final wildcard spot. Only problem is there's seven teams in front of them. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a small, so you, small, small, small chance. There's a small chance, and it's going to be hard to get there, but you never know. You never know. The next few games for the Hawks, they're, they're all winnable games coming up. In the NFL, all games are winnable, but I truly believe these games are winnable. Maybe they go on a historic run. It's magical, and the Hawks find a way to change the game. And to do that, they got to play well against the Washington football team. Let's go to man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. Tyler, excuse me, Taylor Henneke first. The Seahawks defense is a matchup we're going to be looking for. I talked to John Klain earlier today. I go, man, uh, he, Taylor's one of the best or one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league right now. He goes, nah, simmer down, bum. I'm like, man, two weeks in a row, this guy has done his thing. He's beat the Panthers and he beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he was thrown into the fire week one because... Ryan Fitz got injured prior to the season. He only had two games started in the NFL. He got his first game action with the Washington football team week 16 last year when Dwayne Haskins was benched and started the wild card playoff game against eventual Super Bowl champions, the Buccaneers. He played okay, 26 of 44, 306 yards, one touchdown, and a 31 to 23 loss. He was drafted out of Old Dominion Undrafted. College. Undrafted. Sorry. You know what I think about when I think of Old Dominion? Um, their women's basketball teams, the the baby blue with the sleeves. I think that was the first time I saw the baby blue with the sleeves. That's what I think about. He spent some time with the Vikings, the Patriots, the Texans, the Panthers, and a short stint in the XFL. Uh, this guy is a journeyman, and he's taking advantage of his opportunity this year. On this season, he's completed 217 of 328 passes for 2,390 yards, 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and has been sacked. 22 times he's also pretty pretty good with his legs 41 carries 276 yards one touchdown he is washington's second leading rusher i don't know if that's good or bad i'm gonna lean towards bad when your quarterback is number two and you're not lamar jackson or somebody like that he's played but the last two starts man he's been balling against tampa he's 26 to 32 256 yards one touchdown against carolina 16 to 22 26 yards and three touchdowns on defense, the Seahawks, they're ranked 30th against the pass, allowing 279 yards. They cannot let this man go off. Last week, they let a backup, Colt McCoy, go off. He threw for 328 yards and was the first quarterback to do that against the Seahawks since Matthew Stafford did it in week five. The Seahawks are seventh in the NFL, allowing 20 points per game. So they let a backup get him last week, Colt McCoy. But I'm going to go ahead and just tip my hat to Colt McCoy. That's two years in a row he came to Lumen Field, and he's done his thing. All right, Heineke is one of the hottest QBs in the league right now. I'm going to say it, even though John Clay doesn't agree with me, but mm-hmm. last two games don't lie. They got to get after this man. They have to make him look like an undrafted guy out of Old Dominion. No question about it. You need to get after it. And that's the thing. So there's, there's kind of the weird balance, right, when you have, you know, all these good quarterbacks or whoever playing the Seahawks. They're getting the ball out fast. That's part of their game plan. They're going to take what you're giving them. If you're playing a deep zone, we're going to get the ball out quickly. But the Seahawks, that's not, you can't use that as an excuse every time. They need to get after the quarterback. What I, want, what I really want to see is I want to see Daryl Taylor kind of reemerge. We saw him flash early in the season. He's got four sacks still in the year. 
He had the neck injury, came back. Thank God that wasn't serious. But I want to see him getting back after it. I want to see Carlos Dunlap, Benson Mayoa, Brian Monet, shout out to him, who had a great week last yeah. week, one and a half sacks. So the Seahawks really need to get pressure on this because that was the thing that kind of disappointing last week was that Colt McCoy was able to operate easier than I we all felt that it should have been. He was completing balls all over the field, and he was taking what they're giving him, dumping stuff off, and his guys were making plays. So this week the Seahawks can't let that happen because it, if you allow them to hang around and function like that early, especially – Big thing last week, you give up a 16-play drive to start the game. Immediately, Colt McCoy feels comfortable. That offense feels like they can operate. They're not worried about the crowd noise because you keep getting first down. So this is a this is a really big thing with Heineke. You really got to get after him from the jump. I know the Seahawks are capable of doing that, so I hope we get to see that. Now, on the other side, let's look at our quarterback. Number three, Russell Wilson. On the year, he's 124 of 191, 1,564 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. 24 carries, 102 yards, one touchdown in seven games played. So really, honestly, since returning, it hasn't been the same Russell Wilson that we've grown accustomed to, the Hall of Famer, who has done amazing things pretty much every single game out here for the Seahawks. Last two games, he's only 34 of 66, 368 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and been sacked seven times. Those numbers are hard to look at. The Seahawks have only scored 13 points the last two weeks. This has been the lowest total over two-game stretch in Russell Wilson's career here. Before that, the lowest total over two games was 15 points during weeks one and two during the 2016 season. Now, if you're thinking about it, things can only get better from here, right? Yep. And one thing that really that gets it's it's the the percentage, too. Russell completes a high percentage of his passes. Customary for Russell Wilson, you're around 70%. Little, little over, little under. You're always in that ballpark. So to see where the offense is at right now. Uh, they just got to get this got to get out of a funk. I think I think figuring out what they can do in sustaining drives. You you brought it up last podcast, we talked about it all through the week. It's about sustaining drives and staying on the football field. They need to get into a rhythm early and can't shoot themselves in the foot. Can't have miscommunications on a toss versus handoff. Can't have guys not getting open. Can't have people not being in the right spot. So I think I'm hoping I'm going to speak this into existence. We've seen the worst of the Seahawks offense this year. Definitely. We've absolutely seen the worst, and I, I think it's going to be a huge bounce-back week. There's a lot of film to look out for. And defensively, the thing where I have a lot of confidence is Washington the football team is near the bottom in most categories. 24th in total defense, 28th against the pass, 28th in points allowed. They're they're just – where they only excel is stopping the run. They're good at stopping the run. They're ranked sixth in the NFL on just 98 yards per game, so that'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks dial up there if they're going to stay – consistent trying to run that football but I think this is a week things get turned around offensively because I think it's just a good matchup for the Seahawks I think it's a, a good matchup I have all the faith in Russell Wilson this will not be his third week returning from an injury so I feel good about it and like we said man it can only go up from here man I'm, I'm saying it we're at the bottom it can only go up from here so I'm just gonna pray and speak that into existence month Third week is the charm. You're going up against a team that is not great against the pass they give up some points you guys are good at being stingy, giving up points. I'm just going to, like you do, I'm just going to all positivity. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go. Next matchup, Antonio Gibson versus Seahawks front seven. Antonio has had 154 carries, 600 yards, and five touchdowns, 19 receptions, 158 yards, and one touchdowns. One touchdown. He's fumbled five times and lost three of them. So get back to what they used to do, punching that ball out, being aggressive, strip that thing. On the flip side, the Seahawks ranked 23rd against the run, allowing 123 yards per game. They haven't allowed 
a 100-yard rusher since week three against the Vikings. Keep that up. Antonio Gibson hasn't rushed for over 100 yards yet this year, as high as 95 yards. Let's not make this game the game where he does that. I think if you can do that, get pressure on Heineke, you got chances to win this ball game. But that front seven has to step up. You mentioned earlier Dunlap, Collier, uh, Dunlap, Collier and Benson Mayoa. Last year, they were the guys who got it done. It'd be nice to have those names reemerge, especially against Antonio Gibson. No question about it. Um, the Seahawks, or at least with Gibson, you know, he has 19 receptions, 158 yards, one touchdown. The Seahawks have been getting hurt by running backs in the past game. Whether it's screen or dump off passes, they've been getting crushed there. And that's one place where you really hope that they don't get burned again this week because Gibson's been solid. I mean, he's been an outlet, 158 yards. is nothing to write, write home about. But that's an area where the Seahawks have been hurt recently, and I know their offensive staff is going to be planning for that. So hopefully the Seahawks can get that short up. Now the receivers in this, this is this is a good matchup for me, Bump, one of the bigger ones of the game. So Terry McLaurin and J.D. McKissick versus the Seahawks secondary. I'll just call it the back seven. McLaurin, McLaren, I think, I'm just messing up his name. McLaren's got 54 receptions, 735 yards, and five tutties. McKissick's got 38 receptions, 371, and one touchdown. Also's got 41 carries for 182 yards in one touchdown. Now, Bump, when I watch the film on these guys, these are the two dudes that scare me. These are the two dudes, when they have the ball in their hand, they can make plays. And I'll just go through some explosives here. McLaurin has receptions of 39, 21, 17, 40, 18, 33, 37, 18, and 34 yards. McKissick, he's got a run of 15, 11, 10, 11. Also has receptions of 14, 27, 15, 16, 30, and 56. Man, these dudes can do it. They can, they can make plays all over the field, and they're the ones that scare me. So if you're going to take somebody away, it's these two right here, Bump. You have to take the playmakers away. Terry can get down the field deep and make plays, also catch screens and do his thing. We all know what J.D. can do, man. He was here in Seattle, and he's finally getting a raw opportunity to show what he can do, so we're happy for that guy. Just don't want him to ball out against us. In mm -hmm. 2017, he was the last Seahawk running back to score a touchdown, and that was in week four. 2017, it was all about Russell Wilson running the rock until J.D. showed up and said, let me help you out there. All right, another matchup, Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat versus the Seahawks offensive line. Jonathan Allen has 34 tackles, six sacks, eight tackles for loss. Montez Sweat, 19 tackles, four sacks, three tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. Allen and Sweat combined for 50% of the sacks for the Washington football team. The Seahawks offensive line needs to protect better. They have allowed 33 sacks in the season and 20 sacks in the last five games. I've been watching film on this offensive line and talking to our offensive line guru, Ray Roberts, and asking just what's going on, man. And end of the day, it comes down to technique and communication. If they can tighten those things up, I think they will be okay. There's going to be a bright spot on Dwayne Brown. He played one of his best games last week, according to head coach Pete Curl. Let's see if he can back it up. It all starts with the big boys. Starts yeah. and end with the big boys. The quarterback, running backs, receivers, DBs, safeties, they get all the love. But if the big boys are not protecting and getting after the quarterback, you don't stand a chance to win ball games. No, you absolutely do not. Nice thing for the Seahawks. Obviously, it was, it's tough for to see Chase Young go down with a torn ACL, but he's a great football player. He won't be in the lineup against the Seahawks on Sunday, so they, the Seahawks offensive line has that going for him. But you mentioned those guys that get all the love. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett against this Washington football team secondary. Lockett was one of the few bright spots last week, bump. Four receptions, 115 yards. Metcalf was kept mainly in check, four receptions, 31 yards. I'm not saying he was personally locked up, but – Things just didn't work out for him in the past game. 
And the season trend is, is continuing, man. Without big games from Lockett and Metcalf, this offense struggles. The average right now in games when, this, when DK when wins for the Seahawks, and those three wins, DK and Tyler combined averaging 11 receptions, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. In losses, they're averaging about eight, eight receptions a game, 132 yards, and less than a touchdown. So, And these numbers would be way more skewed if the Seahawks didn't blow a game against the Titans. Essentially, games where this offense is functioning at a high level, these two are balling out. Tyler Lockett now takes the lead over in, in yards with 717 on the season, 47 receptions, three tutties. Metcalf's got 46 for 637 and eight tutties. So when you watch them play, Bump, why, why do you think it's been inconsistent getting these guys the football? I think it's tough because you get into these third and long situations and then you're you're keeping guys in to protect and you're taking shots with two-man combinations. I understand why you line up, you get a double tight in there, you want to protect Russell. But when you do that and then you don't release those guys, it's easy for these safeties to stay on top in these corners to use their eyes and roam and hone in on these quarterbacks. And honestly, Russell's just been off a little bit. You know, he's missed some throws that he typically doesn't miss. I think that's just him knocking off the rust and being like, all right, third week, we're going to get these going. And we just have to make big plays. You got to go up and snatch the ball out the air when there's a DB on you. So it's a combination of things. Everyone can do better. You cannot just highlight one person or one unit on this football team and say, you know what? This is the reason why this team has not been successful. But for them to be successful, successful for the Hawks to get this win on Monday Night Football, here's their path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. I mentioned it early in the show, man. The Seahawks need to sustain drives on offense. Only had three drives of more than seven plays in the last two weeks. They need to be able to stay on the field bump. And I went into a deep dive on some third down numbers for the Seahawks, right? Because everyone talks about third downs. Third downs have to be better. Third downs have to be better. But why do they have to be better? How can they get better? So just last week, the Seahawks were 2 of 10 on third down, bringing them to 35 of 108 for on the season. That's 32%. That's not where they want to be. But to help that number, you got to stay out of third and long. I was shocked when I went through the numbers and really saw this. The Seahawks are 9 of 57 when facing third or seven and more. That's 15%. The fact that they've been in not 57 third and sevens or more is unreal to me. Um, and, and even break it down a step further, Bump, I'm pretty sure they're 3 of 35 in third, ten, third down and 10 and more, meaning they've been in third and 10 35 times this year. That is, and, and that was astonishing to me. That jumped out, and that's, and what, why is that? It's, it's what happens on first and second down. That's how you help third down. This, and then on the flip side, the Seahawks are 26 of 51 when facing third and six or less. That's 50%. That's exactly where you want to be. So the key is figuring out what's going on in first and second down and getting to third and manageable. It sounds so simple, but when the numbers are out there in front of you, you, you call plays. How many plays do you have when it's third and 10 plus, man? I mean, it's, it's just figure it out on third down and stay. If you stay out of third and longs, you will be successful in offense. Sounds like a solid plan. Those numbers are crazy or freaking crazy. All right, another path to victory. DK and Tyler Lockett, you got to get them involved. You have to allow them to be the big players that they are, the dynamic duo that we love. We have to see these guys do their thing and then get off the field on third down. This season, the Seahawks are holding opponents to just 37% on third down, but the last two weeks against Green Bay and Arizona, 
They were 50%. So you can't allow long drives, and we've seen that happen the last couple of weeks. Yep, got to get off the field, got to get off the field, got to stay on the field on offense. Then you got to get pressure on the QB. We talked about Taylor Heineke. He's one of the hottest QBs in the National Football League right now, and the Seahawks only have 17 sacks on the air. They need to find a way to put him in the ground. They need to find a way to get sacks, get their hands on QB hits, hurries, and sacks, and please start fast. Please start fast, especially offensively. We all know you can't win the game till the fourth quarter, but I'm telling you, the fourth quarter gets a lot easier if you have something to show for it early on, so I'm, I would love to see the Seahawks offense start out fast. Please. Please start fast, one play at a time, one drive at a time, one quarter at a time. Find a way to go one and zero. That's the number we're looking for. One, your first, hey, your first third down, win it. Please, no on third down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just want one win at a time. That's how you get her done. Absolutely, bump. I cannot wait. Hoping to see us figure it out. A lot of good ways to hear Seahawks content out through our podcast network, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google podcast in stitcher lots of things you got the insiders with jen mueller and john boyle puddle with dave wyman stacy ross jake heaps ox live with michael bumpus and paul moyer seahawks stories with robert turbin and seahawks rewind right after every game here in the best of the seahawks post game show now bump we need this i'm telling you Come let's on. speak into existence let's get a victory on monday night we're gonna be up late hope y'all stay up late with us talking about a seahawks win and finding a way to get back on track Join us on Monday, but this has been the Hawk Talk Preview Week 12. Seahawks going to Washington, D.C., trying to get right on Monday Night Football. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Nash Chobie. We will holler at you guys soon.